You're listening to WLXU 93.9 LPFM Lexington, Lexington Community Radio. And this is Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. I'm an advocate for women's rights in childbirth, founder of Birth Monopoly, co-creator of the Exposing the Silence Project, a national photography project on birth trauma, and former vice president of Improving Birth, the nation's largest consumer-based maternity care advocacy organization. You can learn more about my work at birthmonopoly.com. Today, we're broadcasting from Alabama. I'm sitting here with a doula who has agreed to speak with me on condition of anonymity. And I think you'll understand why she had that condition once you hear what she has to say about birth in Alabama and the kinds of things that she's experienced and witnessed. Alabama is kind of a unique state, I think, when it comes to maternity care and women's options, period. Maybe, can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um... I, so the way I got into the doula profession was I wanted to be in women's health, um, and I got a degree that was going to help me do that, and then I had my own baby and started and realized, like, oh, wait, like, this is not um, necessarily exactly what I thought it was, and, you know, there's more than one way of thinking about women's health. So um, then I started doing my research about women's options and birth in Alabama, and found out, like, really, um, there's one sort of quote-unquote legitimate way to have a baby in Alabama, which is just in a hospital with an OB and, like, do the status quo. Um, which which is be, what? Which would be, like, um, go in to the hospital, get an epidural, get Pitocin, like, really manage, like, what you would call managed care, in which you get, um, like, sort of almost maximal interventions, maybe just, you know, like, shy of section although that happens a lot in Alabama too um so yeah I but it's been changing over the years like um unmedicated births have been on the rise now like when I first started being a doula and being interested in birth in Alabama about nine years ago eight nine years ago um it was a little more it was kind of a struggle like people really had to search around um if you wanted an out-of-hospital birth like that was that's still hard to find. What am I saying? Yeah. Like that's still it may be right. even harder to find. So it's it's actually there are no legal There's out no of hospital care providers. Correct. And there are no birth centers. No birth centers. So um, your only real like legitimate legal legit. option in, in Alabama. State lines. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is birth in the hospital. If you want Within, a care provider. Like Right. <laughs> yeah. Assuming you do, assuming which you, most people do. Most people do. Yeah, like if you don't want to have like an um what is it, like an unassisted birth at home, then you right. go to the hospital or you leave the state. That's really the gist of it. Like that's, yeah. that's convinced. Yeah. And just um just to like fill in some of the nuance there, mm-hmm. um certified nurse midwives are legal in all 50 states, mm-hmm. and they do practice in Alabama, but the practice is really restrictive. Extreme. And I think there are only, what, like three or four in the maybe, whole state? Maybe you actually yeah. um, um, catch babies. Right. But they're even, you know, they're, they're supervised by physicians. Right. Um, they're, they're definitely not able to practice to the full scope of their training. Right. Yeah, most, for the most part. I did a few births down um, on the coast with a nurse midwife down there before she retired. But basically, at the end of her career, when she had had like a thirty-year career, she sort of even then got forced out by OBs who felt like she was having too much power. Like they were basically forced her to retire. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's and that's birth in a nutshell hey, in yeah. Alabama. That's kind of how it goes. Yeah. yeah. It's super controlled. For yeah. Like from just, like top down, top bottom up. Absolutely, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. So you decided to become a doula. Mm-hmm. I did. Okay. Yeah. What was what was the process of becoming a doula like? Uh, so I met with other doulas locally. There mm-hmm. weren't very many at the time, um, and then I did a six week training through a um, distance learning program 
And then there was a doula who was generous enough to let me shadow her. So I attended a birth with her. Um, and then I started taking my own clients. It just kind of happened. Like there were maybe four or five of us practicing in the area at that time. Um, and, uh, and then the practice just kind of grew, it grew from there. It's a lot of word of mouth and connections. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it, it was, it's been really interesting to see, see it grow, mm -hmm. um, and see people seeking out their options. Whereas before, um, you know, it was hard. It was hard to seek out options. It was hard to, to think, like think, oh, hey, like I, you know, I, it's not necessarily a luxury to have another woman with me at my birth. Like a doula is not a luxury. Like that's been kind of a shift. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've seen um, people thinking like, oh, this is something that I need rather than just something that I want. Um, so it's been a really interesting shift. Um, I feel like I've watched women start to realize that they deserve better rather than, you know, just like, oh, this is just how we've always done it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which is actually not how we've always done it, if you really think about it. Like, birthing in a um, hospital with, you know, sterile drapes and um, all of the things that go with that and sounds and... Um, anyway, so, yeah, it's... It's been a really interesting shift over the last decade, I think. Mm -hmm. That's cool. I like what you said about women figuring out that they deserve better. Mm -hmm. That's important. It is. So I think it helps It helps shift practice. It does. And it's been... Um, that was a really frustrating thing for me, like realizing that. Like maybe like a year into being a doula, I was still really fresh probably had done maybe like seven births or something at that point um and thinking like you know people like you deserve like you deserve better and I want you to know and it's hard to sort of like realize that that like, you didn't feel that way like I didn't feel that way at one point like I just you know, oh you mean giving birth yourself giving birth you myself like I didn't feel like I you know deserved more like I felt like I was going and like they were giving something to me um, rather than, you know, I was utilizing a service, um, and had control over it. Um, but, but yeah, it was frustrating, you know, to think like, no, this is like, this is how it actually is. We deserve things. And, um, to try to relay that to people, it's like, that's, that's challenging. You can't just like beat them over the head where they're like, you deserve this. <laughs> um, <laughs> you can't do that. People should respect you. Exactly. Like, that doesn't work for some reason. <laughs> you just kind of have to, like, be present. I mean, like, that's the whole thing about being a doula is being present. And you, you know, say, like, here I am and I want to be there for you and you deserve that. And I'm going to tell you that in, like, a really just, you know, calm and reassuring way. And eventually, like, you believe it. And the more that I'm around doing that and giving these messages of reassurance and affirmation, um, then more and more people start like, like, oh, right, yeah, I do. And so I feel like that translates both, in, I feel like, in the community and like in the birth room. If doulas can like latch on to that, like that's sort of the beauty of being a doula. Being do, you, do you think that in itself creates or helps to create different expectations in people in like how they see you behaving or treating them? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think, uh, you know, when someone like, especially early on, like people were sort of taking a risk, like on a doula, if that makes sense. They're like, well, you know, this is kind of different. So. Um, cause it's different. And a lot of people were, we get pushback from their families. Like a lot of the early moms that I attended, we get a lot of pushback from their families, families who didn't think they should have a natural birth or an unmedicated birth or think, like, why do you have a doula? Why can't I just be there and do that? Like, why don't we, like, I had a baby this way. It should work for you. So, I mean, early on when it wasn't as popular in Alabama, um, there was a lot of pushback um, from families especially. 
from doctors too. Um, I spoke to someone on the phone once who her OB told her, like, uh, I'm your doula. Like, you know. <laughs> like, wow, that's, yeah, like, no, no. That, that is especially ironic in yeah. the state of Alabama. Oh, yeah. So their expectations, like, people's families have expectations. And, like, all of the, um, like, there's all this uh, cultural pressure, I feel like on women. And so having more doulas and then being there and creating a new culture and like being around for that and saying like, Hey, you can sort of like, you know, join cultural pressure. What kind of, what do you mean? Like the culture, like birth culture. Like, so, you know, in the hospital, there's a hospital culture. Um, like again, like this, this is how we do it. This is the way it's always been done. Um, and then again, like in, just in general, the way people talk about it. I mean, it's bad. I don't know, especially in Alabama, maybe, or it's just, you know, um, things are really slow to change mm-hmm. um, in general. Uh, that, yeah, everybody, everybody sort of gets in on it. Like, this is how we do it, and um, this is how your friends do it. Like, my friends are all doing it this way. It happens with breastfeeding here, too. Like, there was a breast like in, you know, bottle feeding culture and being like someone who is like nurses their baby, like that was, can be taboo. Like, so there's like, just to draw sort of a parallel there, sometimes that's easier for Mm -hmm. people to see. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like the breastfeeding culture and the people, you know, like there was a lot of pressure about that too for a while. Um, So yeah, pressure to conform and to be like, be like me, or like, if you're not being like me, then you're making some sort of judgment on me. Um, So like that kind of cultural pressure. It's interesting how when, sometimes when people make choices, Mm -hmm. other people see those choices as almost like being hostile towards them. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, if you don't want to do what I want to do, then you don't like me or you don't mm-hmm. you know you're saying you're different than me there's a judgment there's some sort of judgment there and it's mm-hmm. not necessarily that way at all um and so there you know i feel like the like having more doulas around or having more alternative alternative quote-unquote alternative practices around makes it like you know like here's like here's a here's a space for you. It's another culture. It's another culture. Yeah. And so we have we create, you know, like this space and this culture that people can join in on if they want to, but like maybe that's what they were seeking all the time, but they just didn't know that they could have it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like we create that space for people to have it. Um, and then like they have that space where their expectations can be you know, more or different, maybe not necessarily more, but different in that it's okay. Um, create sort of that zone of not judging, but of just being like, you get to decide. Like, you um, are in charge here. Whereas, um, and that could be like unmedicated, medicated, cesarean, like family-centered cesarean, but making it more, you know, about like, you're the woman, these are your options, and we respect you no matter what you choose, rather than the other culture of choose what I choose. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked enough that I've seen it, like I've seen it happen to people. I've seen that pushback from... About their choices. About their choices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to go to break really quickly. Yeah. We'll be right back with Birth Aloud. Welcome back to Birth Aloud. A few minutes ago, you, you used the term alternative choices or different choices or deserving better, you know, wanting something different. Mm-hmm. What is it that people want that's different? Or maybe a better question is, what is it that they don't want that mm-hmm. is their only option? So I think that, you know, sort of what was on offer is, um, or like, what's the status quo and I feel like it's changing, um, was, again, like a really highly managed, heavily medicated birth. Um, come in, get your water broken, do this, do what I say, sort of a scenario. And it still happens depending on the doctor. But um, I think what 
is the, you know, alternative to that is researching options um, and recognizing that all of these things are optional, like just across the board optional. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, allowing, you know, a mom to say, like, I want this and not that, but really like an informed choice rather than an informed consent like you don't have to say just come in and be like okay like here's my body I'm handing my body over to you do whatever it is you do with it um, and saying like this is my body I'm in my body I make the decisions for my body and my baby um, I think that's like that's the alternative and it seems really simple like, but I mean like that's uh, like taking back the control over uh, like bodily autonomy is it's, well, you're saying, like, like, who's the decision maker? Right, exactly. That's a, that is a, a subtle but really important shift. Yeah, exactly. Is the doctor and the decision maker right. or is the person giving birth the yeah. decision maker? And that's the alternative, which it seems like that should just be the thing, but it's the alternative um, in a lot of situations. Yeah, like saying, like, I am going to move around and I'm going to, like, drink water or, <laughs> or eat or, you know, during my birth. Um, like I'm going to get in the shower and I'm going to get in the tub when I want to. And like, you can't like put your hand in my vagina whenever you want to. I get to say no to that. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't seem like that should be alternative, but it is. It almost gets a bad rap. I think like yeah. the idea of like alternative or different. Right. When those things seem very simple and very basic, not, they don't seem very alternative-y to me. No, it's not like. I'm going to need gongs in mm -hmm. my birth room. I'm going to have a, you know, a trained tiger in the corner or something. Yeah. They're really simple. Like they're really simple and they're really respectful. And so like it kind of like it does make me like a little sad like thinking that the quote on alternative is just being respected. <laughs> yeah, that is yeah. sad. <laughs> um, but again, like I I've seen that like, I've seen that when women haven't been respected. Can you give me some concrete examples sure. for people who don't have any idea? Yeah. Um, I've seen doctors, like, do, a, like, a forced vaginal exam. Um, I've seen that happen in a really aggressive way. Um, I've seen... Um, I've seen nurses hold babies in. I've seen um well that's that's interesting uh -huh. because um obviously there was a lawsuit in Birmingham where yeah. a woman was alleging just that mm -hmm. and the hospital said we would never do that mm -hmm. and lo yeah. and behold yeah it happens it definitely happens um and in not you know in just a really sort of casual kind of way like this is this is what we do it's normal behavior. It's normal behavior. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I've seen that. I've seen. Um, I've seen doctors yell at women. Um, like, like how? What do you like mean? Like saying, "There's zero percent chance that you're you're gonna push a baby out. Like, zero percent chance that you're doing this and fight with them." Like, like in wanting them to have a, a cesarean and, you know, and nothing's wrong and the mom's declining. Like, I've seen that. I've seen a doctor yell at a woman and storm out of a room. Um, like, can you describe that situation for me? Yeah. I um, had a birth at a big hospital um, and the mom... Had been pushing for a while. She had an epidural. I mean, but a, like I say a while. It was like two and a half hours. It wasn't really all that long. Um, and the doctor was getting frustrated. He wanted the mom to have antibiotics because her water had been broken for a certain amount of time. Um, she did not want to. because She was already getting antibiotics. And she declined that. And so then he started getting frustrated with the entire situation. He... Um, told her she wasn't progressing in that, um, you know, they, she needed to have antibiotics. She needed to have a C-section. She said, is anything wrong? And he said, no. She said, I want to keep going. And so then he started to argue with her husband. Um, 
and they went back and forth and the husband said, well, what's the harm in continuing to go? And then the doctor just yelled, he's like, just so you know, there's 0% chance that this is happening from below. Um, 0% and stormed out of the room. Um, and it affected, like it, it affected all of us, it affected the entire birthing room and it affected everything. And the woman did have a cesarean. Um, you know, I don't know that it would have ended any differently with someone else, but it certainly gives room for doubt. Like, you know, if someone hadn't been so aggressive and disrespectful and had been open to talking about options, like, would something different have happened? Mm -hmm. I don't know. So there's like, this room for doubt. So, yeah, like, that's aggressive and disrespectful. Um, I, I've seen moms frequently, like, you know, basically forced onto their backs to push. I've oh, seen that. that's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> that's another I thing know. that was alleged in that lawsuit that yeah. the hospital said we would never do. We would never do. No, I've seen it. I've seen it a fair amount. Really? Yeah. I mean, and again, like, I especially, as things started to change, especially as I became more experienced, um, I was able to say, like, there are certain places I won't go, certain doctors I won't work with. Um, certain hospitals you won't go to. Um, yeah, but certainly like certain doctors that I won't, practices that I won't work with and hospitals I prefer not to go to. Right. So you would just um, decline a client if they came to you and said, say, I'm going to, I'm giving right, birth say, at, yeah, I'm giving birth at this place. I say, I strongly encourage you to consider your options and here are some, you know, other options. Um, and get How back do you to present me. that? I mean, do you say, and here's why, because here's the stuff I've seen there? Or, yeah. like, what's your, I, I'm I sure say, that's an ethical issue. You know, it is, it issue. is. I say, I think I have, because I've had this conversation with someone before. It's like, so, I, I, the way I like to say it is that practice is very good at a certain kind of birth, and that birth looks like this. And it's usually, you know, like very heavily managed, even during pregnancy. Um, you know, uh, and I say they don't, um, necessarily, like they have these practices, which are not necessarily evidence-based. I can show you what the evidence says and I present it like that. And I said, so, you know, like if that is what you're looking for, you're in the right place. If that's not what you're looking for, um, it doesn't hurt you to talk to these people, um, and look into these options. And I usually present like a few different options, like you know, everybody mm -hmm. has a different personality. Everybody's looking for something a little bit different. Um, but that's generally how I present it. But, like, you know, I try to be positive about it. Like, this is what they do, and they do that very well. Mm -hmm. They do C-sections really, really well. Um, which, I mean, you know, if you need one, you want somebody to do a good job. But if you don't, most people want to do their best to minimize that risk. Um, so, yeah, that's generally how I present it. Mm -hmm. Um... Yeah, I've seen a lot of like happy behavior, behavior and coercion. I've had, I've seen doctors lie, like outright lie to moms, like uh, like, like what? about um, what's a popular one? Delayed cord clamping. Like uh -huh. I've seen a doctor just outright lie to a mom about the, like the benefits or what have you. He's like, that's like we're not going to do that because there's no benefit to it at all, and none of the studies show any benefit for anyone ever. Sort of, I mean, like I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but that's the gist of that conversation. Um, well, they might not be lying; they might just not not know, know. Right? except if you present it in a way that says, "I've read all of this and I know what I'm talking about." Then I feel like it's kind of a lie because clearly they have either you didn't read it, either you, or didn't you read, read it, it and you're lying you about read what it and you're lying. About it. So either way, it's sort of like that's sort of a lie. Um. So yeah, I mean, coercion. Forced vaginal exams, holding babies in, forcing moms on their back. But yeah, I mean, I've seen, I've seen all that. Um, some of it's worse than others, but yeah. Have you ever attended a birth or had an incident happen that you were just like, I don't know if I can do this anymore? Certainly, yeah. Um, oh gosh, had one. 
trying to think of which one came first. I had one where a doctor held her hand inside the mom's vagina for four hours for her to push. Um, even though the mom said, like, I want to I wanna take a break. I don't feel like I need to push. Um, can I have a little time? And both the nurse and the doctor, no, like, this is just hard. You just have to do this. And the doctor held her hand in the mom's vagina for four hours and coached her to push. She was unmedicated. Unmedicated? Unmedicated, like on her back. Um, while the doctor held her hand in there basically the whole time. Well, was I, I don't checking understand. checking her cell phone in between. Why, why would you put your hand in there? She put her hand in there to direct her pushing, to say, oh, yeah, now you're pushing well. The mom didn't have an urge to push and asked for time. And then the nurse and the doctor both sort of ganged up on her and said, well, this is just hard. Pushing is hard. You just have to do it. Um, repeatedly, like they said that, and then the mom just said, okay, and did. We did that for four hours. Baby was posterior. How the doctor didn't recognize that, having her hand in the mom's vagina for four hours and touching the baby's head, you know, I, I still don't understand that fully. Um, so the baby was just in a position that... Right. That's why the mom wasn't having the urge to push. That's why it wasn't... Having, yeah. And they had, they like, forced her to push to complete. Like, she had been nine centimeters, like, and they said, oh, well, we can remove this, like, bit of cervix if you push. Like, so that's what the doctor did. So even though she wasn't she ten wasn't centimeters. Yeah, she forced her to ten. And like, then by for, manually, manually. You're making a gesture with your hands. Yeah, but. that's right. So, like, the doctor put, like, checked the mom, said, oh, you're nine, nine and a half, but you're stretchy. If you push, like, I can make you ten centimeters. So she did that and then said, all right, we're ready to push now. The mom said, I don't feel like I need to push. And they said, well, pushing is hard. You just have to do it. And the mom said, can I have a minute? No. Um, with her hand in her vagina. With her hand in her vagina. Yeah. And we did that for four hours. And the baby was posterior. Um, and what ended up happening? So after, I mean... Like, it's one of those situations where being a doula is really hard. You're trying to figure out how do I maintain a decent relationship between the mom and the doctor and myself and the mom and the doctor, and, um, like, how do I phrase this? And it's like, and I can't talk to them alone because this doc the doctor and the nurse both refuse to leave the room. Like, however I phrased it, whatever I said, they refuse to leave the room. Um... Like what? Like so what I would say, say, like, so, like, what did I try? I asked them, like, I started out by asking them, do you feel like you need to push? Do you need a minute? And they completely ignored that, and they completely ignored her. I started making, I would just sort of make observations about her contraction pattern. I had been working as a doula for, I mean, I'd done over 100 births at that point, and I, I felt like the baby was posterior based on the mom's contraction pattern. Um, and I said, you know, it's interesting. Which isn't something that as a doula, you would never diagnose something I would like never, that. No. But you can see, you can recognize signs of things mm -hmm. and you can give a heads up to a medical provider to say, right. hey, you know, I noticed such and such. Do you want to maybe check for that? Yeah. Or? Well, and what I usually do is if I recognize something in a contraction pattern or mom's behavior, um, I make suggestions for position changes or things like that that would help to alleviate that. Um, and if it's a care provider that I trust um, and that I know that I work well with and we have sort of this mutual respect and they recognize my knowledge and I recognize theirs, then I could say something like, it's, you know, this is, this is kind of what I'm noticing, you know, mm -hmm. do you, are you concerned about this? Do you want to try check for something like this? Um, but generally before, like I try to just try some different positions and things that are fairly benign. If the mom's up for it and she does it, it may or may not help, um, and if she's not up for it, then, you know, it might be a situation where we get more information. Um, so in this particular case, I said, you know, it's interesting what her contraction pattern is doing. I say, are you comfortable, you know, here on your back? Do you want to do something different for a while? Um, and Did know, the mom want to be on her back? She was really tired, and there's this whole thing with the doctor's hand in for her vagina. Um... <laughs> And then I feel like in that situation, it's hard. It's hard to move. Like, I think she felt stuck.
like she trusted me and but my voice was just like this one voice and all you know these voices of this is just hard work just push you know like you can do like you can just push like this this is how everyone does it um so I feel like it was in a tough she was in a tough place she didn't really feel like she could move um so I threw that out every now and then and I you know I was like you know, yeah, it's really interesting how her contractions kind of space out and then couple up or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and eventually, after about four hours, the doctor said, well, you know, because of how your contractions are, maybe we should use some Pitocin. Um, and so the mom agreed. And it had been started for maybe 15, 20 minutes, maybe, and cesarean came up. Um, and at that time I said to the mom, like, like again, like sort of like this last ditch effort, do you want some time alone to talk about this and to discuss what your options are? And the doctor and the nurse said, well, we can't leave because Pitocin's running. And so like the mom again was like in this position, everyone's sort of standing around her and we have this, you know, authoritative care provider, um, sitting here you know, waiting for your response. And I mean, and it's hard like to be like, no, I want you to leave no, the room. Yeah. <laughs> so you're like, or turn the Pitocin off. Like, you just started it. Like there's a, an idea. Um, <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, yeah. And, um, so like the mom and the dad just sort of had to like, like I tried to like almost like block them with my body and I'm not like a large person. So, like I'm trying to give them this space. Um, but like some privacy like or something. Like some, some privacy or something. Um, but like the doctor and nurse wouldn't even go across the room. They wouldn't leave her bedside. The doctor was sitting on her bed between her legs where she had been the whole time. Um, that sounds uncomfortable. Yeah. For a woman. I'm, I'm just imagining myself yeah. in that position. Mm-hmm. Trying to push out a baby with someone like sitting on the bed between my legs. Yeah. And a nurse, like, leaning over the side of you. Um, and they, you know, decided to, to have a cesarean, but we didn't get to talk about any of the alternatives, any of the mm-hmm. options, like maybe an epidural and some rest or something. Could never find a way to effectively communicate to the doctor and nurse, get out of the room. Or maybe, like, it did. They just didn't care. I don't know. But it didn't happen, and the mom had a cesarean. Let's go to a break for just a minute, and then I have a, I'm going to talk about that just a little bit more. We'll be right back after the break with Birth Aloud. You're listening to WLXU 93.9 LPFM Lexington, Lexington Community Radio. And this is Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. Before we went to break, you were just talking about um, a birth where your client had been pushing for four hours with the doctor's hand inside her vagina, unable to move around or um, access any other options. Mm-hmm. And they ended up deciding to go to a C-section. How did the mom deal with that? How did she do? Yeah, I think it was, like, it was hard. It was hard for her a lot of doubt um thinking what could I have done differently recovering from a c-section is hard I mean I've I've had a c-section I know what it's like it's hard was this her first baby it's her first baby yeah and like the baby was he was just not in the right position um he needed more time um he needed to not be forced down the birth canal before he was ready um which maybe if she had been able to move around, maybe yeah, that might have been so. gotten around. on her hands and knees. Yeah. Or... Um, and she, like, you know, physically, you know, recovered fine, but it stuck with her for a long time. And it was, you know, emotionally stressful for her, and it was challenging. And she, um, she ended up becoming a doula, actually. Really? Yeah, after. But, uh, yeah, the same mom... Um, has had another baby since Mm -hmm. she changed care providers and hospitals um and had a vaginal birth after cesarean would be back um for her second baby like in a really 
peaceful and respectful way. And uh, actually, like, nobody had their hand in her vagina when she pushed her baby out at all. Like, she had to check to see that she was complete and then just waited on the baby to rotate and come down on, on its own um, and had a completely straightforward vaginal birth, um, no issues at all. And it was, it was just a really, like, she... You and know, you were there. I was there. One. I was there for that one, too. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's so interesting that mm-hmm. you got to be with the same mom, mm-hmm. especially for such two contrasting yeah. experiences. They were both very different. They were very different. Um, yeah, I mean, the mom, I mean, she was just in the VBAC. She said, I want these things. And all the care providers involved, the nurses um, and the doctors said, yeah, like, we want that for you, too. Like, we want to do what you want to do. And we're, you know, like, watching you and we're watching your baby, but everybody looks fine. So, like, we want to do what you want to do. Give birth on your own terms. Yeah, exactly. Which is sort of the theme of the show. Yeah. Um talking about like how women are allowed or not allowed to give birth on their own terms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say that about Alabama? Are women allowed to give birth on their own terms? <laughs> Technically, yes. But are women frequently manipulated and coerced and told that they're not allowed to? Well, absolutely. Absolutely, I think so. I knew someone um, who she told her doctor she wanted an unmedicated VBAC, and he responded with, have you ever gone to an old cemetery? You seen all the women in their 20s, like with on the, like it says that they died in their 20s, it's because they had a natural birth. <laughs> Not even like, <laughs> like those are the stories that were coming from people in place of authority. Um, so they're basically saying, you're going to die if you have an unmedicated birth. In the hospital. In the hospital. If you don't do what I say, you're going to die. That's basically, like, the message that's coming from some care providers. So, I And mean, what they say is they want you to have, like, an epidural, Pitocin. Yeah. We're going to manually break your water. You're going to be in this position right. for pushing. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to have a C-section. You're going to have a repeat C-section. Uh, yeah, all of those things. Like, if you don't do this exactly the way that I tell you to, you're going to die. Um, Aliyah, so much of their practice is like, this is, we do it because this is how we always do it. And I think some of them really believe in it mm-hmm. um, or it's convenient. And I, and I also want to just clarify for people who, you know, aren't too familiar with this topic mm-hmm. that the, these practices that we're talking about are um, at least outdated to mm-hmm. say, like to say it kindly they, yeah. they don't line up with what national guidelines say exactly. for obstetricians, yes. for obs- obstetrics, yes. for um, for managing care. Yes. Like, those are not... Right. Those practices yes. are not current yes. scientifically exactly. based practices. Um, and I can, like, I can give an example. At a teaching hospital, um, I had an OB tell a mom... Like, oh, you know, we expect you to progress at a centimeter an hour after four centimeters. And the new guidelines that had been out for for several months at the very least. Um, well, and the guidelines that doctor is using are from the 1950s. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, it's troubling. Like, that's the message coming from the teaching hospital that's teaching a lot of new OBs in the state. Like, people, mm-hmm. you know, unless they're coming from somewhere else, like, they're going to, you know one of two medical schools in Alabama. Um, so, yeah, one of these, like, that's the message. It's like we're using data from the 1950s, and we're basing our practice on that. Um, so certainly, I mean... And imposing that on women. Oh, absolutely. Like, this is, this, is, this is what you should expect. You should expect to progress at this. You should expect to... Like you're a machine. Right, exactly. Like, this is how it's supposed to be. I mean, I myself, like, fell victim to that with my first baby, you know, and if you're not, you know, exactly uh, calibrated to that, then you're broken. Um, so I think that's a message that gets thrown out a lot. You're broken. You're not doing this exactly the way that I say it should be or that I think that it should be. And so 
it's wrong. That's wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a pretty damaging message. Yeah, it is. To tell people about their bodies. Mm -hmm. Especially in something that's so emotional and so loaded as Absolutely. childbirth. Mm -hmm. And it has, an, it has a real effect. It affects people significantly. You can see it when they get that message. Like, things really change for them. For How moms so? afterwards. They, I see, like, I can, you know, like, if a mom's coping well, like, with um, the sensations of birth until that point, at the time that I've seen that message come across, that things become significantly more stressful at that point. Like, they don't feel as good after that. Most of the time after that message comes across, which I haven't had happen as often, um, you know, like in the last five years as I did, maybe like the first three years that I was working. Um, but when it happens, generally moms switch from a more, uh, like a more self-directed path to a more managed path. So generally after the, your body's not working appropriately message comes across, um, they become more stressed, they become more fearful. Um, I, you know, I'd have to go back through my stats. Like, I, this is not scientific data. It's just my observation. This is anecdotal completely. But I've noticed more epidurals after that, more pitocin, you know, when those messages come across. And so it's a really, if you're looking at it from the perspective of, I want this woman to do what I want her to do, it's a really effective message saying, you're broken, I can fix you. And I've seen that. And it, it does, it has a real effect on people that yeah. I, I feel like I notice it. Yeah. Let's go to a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to find out how this affects you. Because we've been talking about the women, your mm -hmm. clients a lot. Yeah. Okay. We'll be right back after the break with Birth Aloud. And we're back with Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. We were just talking about women receiving messages of disempowerment and you're broken I can fix you from their care providers mm -hmm. and obviously well you said you know it has a real you know almost measurable effect on mm -hmm. her psyche and oftentimes on the way labor goes mm -hmm. and then even the outcome of the birth mm -hmm. I'm wondering what the effect is on you personally being witness to these situations yeah. Um, so early on, like it's changed over the years. Early on, it was definitely the sort of thing where I, I felt extremely frustrated. I was like, how do I, how do I fix that? Like, <laughs> I felt like I needed to fix it somehow. And I, um, it was really distressing. And I got to a point um, about half way through my doula career, which was about eight years, that I couldn't, I felt so um, so powerless to sort of change that message that I decided, I was like, I'm, I don't know that I can just uh, be an observer anymore. I want to go be a provider. And I started studying midwifery at that point. I was planning to be a midwife. Um, but uh, I did that for a while. Um, I left Alabama for a little bit. I came back. Um, and started doing more doula births again. Um, and, and I was in a different place at that point. And there were a lot of changes happening in Alabama in terms of providers and being more open and respective to mom's choices. But like I, start, I got to a place where um, I say, like, I'm going to give moms as many empowering messages as I can going in. Um, and I'm going to be there for them like during. But... Um, you know, it's uh, I, I sort of switched over to a place where when I heard those messages and I saw those things coming for doctors, I had to sort of like step out of my body for a minute. Like, like I had to, oh gosh, like how do I, how do I even explain this? Like be there with the woman and like be in her space in her zone, but like remove my mind from it. Like dissociate? Sort of dissociate from it. Which is not great. Like that's not... It's not what I wanted. Um, it's surviving. Yeah, it's surviving. Like, that's kind of like uh, how I was able to keep going um, is, is to dissociate it from it a little bit 
and then just tell moms over and over and over again, like, you're not broken, like, you, um, no matter what anyone says, like, you're, you're not broken, and this is my observation, so I just realized, like, I can, I can observe, like, I can help prepare, and then I observe, and I witness, and I Mm. affirm. They do need medical intervention sometimes, but I think it's a very different message Mm -hmm. to say, this thing has come up, and we're going to help you with it, Mm -hmm. so that you can get through this birth, and have, you know, have Have a beautiful birth, right? Yeah. as opposed to, you're broken, yeah. You need to stop yeah. interacting. You need to mm-hmm. step back and hand yeah. over the authority. Absolutely. And let us take charge yeah. of this thing. Um, absolutely. But yeah, in terms of how it has affected me, I guess the last really hard one that I had, and it wasn't, it was, uh, it was like witnessing, it was, it was witnessing an assault. And that one did affect me profoundly for weeks or months even I still think about it from time to time but it's also like being the doula you're the observer and what I wanted in that particular situation was to be a physical barrier between this doctor and this mom like I wanted to push this doctor away from this mom and like I why he um the mom declined uh to get in the bed, she declined to um, have a check, a vaginal exam on her back in the bed because it was very uncomfortable for her. Like her baby was just coming, and this doctor um, did this very assertive, aggressive thing where he stepped behind her and straddled her from behind. She was leaning over the bed. He straddled her from behind, and he basically shoved his hand into her vagina from behind. Like, um, and, like, the dad, like, the mom's dad, a partner, like, didn't really understand what was going on, um, and the, I just remember, like, being there next to the mom and seeing it, and there were, I don't know, there were, like, five nurses in the room because they thought the baby was going to come before the doctor could get there, and I just, like, I looked at them and, like, just imploring them with my face, like, why, how, like, how are you watching this right now? Am I the only one who sees a problem with this? And, um, and I didn't know how to stop him other than, like, 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 do I yell at him? Do I, like, push him? Like, what do you do in that situation? And it was, like, it was fast, and so, like, he did that, where he shoved his hand, like, hoisted up her skirt and shoved his hand inside of her, um, and I mean, like you could see the discomfort on the faces of the other women, the nurses in the room, but nobody knew what to do in that situation. Um, and it was like, it was scary and it felt bad and scary afterward. And I felt like I, like, I felt like a little bit like a failure because like, I couldn't figure it out. Like, what do you do in that situation? So that one really stuck with me for a long time. And, um, you know, I still don't know what to think about that. <laughs> like, I still don't know. It sounds like you're describing a sexual assault. Yeah. It's like, if, if that had happened, like, outside of the hospital, he would be in jail. Like, we had all these witnesses. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was, it was, like, it was an assault. It was a sexual assault. And it was very sexual. Like, his, the position of his body and all of that. Um, so... Like that one does. Like that one sticks with me. What What did the mom do? She, I mean, she was so in her labor and like the baby's like coming down the birth canal. Like, like she, she was leaning over the bed. Like she was in no position to do anything. Yeah. Um. Uh. Like I remember. Did, go ahead. Mm-mm. Okay. I remember he said. Um. Like he wanted her to get in the bed. She tried. She's like, I, I really, I can't. Like I cannot get in this bed. Um, and he said, so this is how we're going to do this, and did what he did, and she couldn't say anything. She was having contractions one on top of each other, um, like she, like, what could she have done? She's, like, like bumped him with her bottom or something, like, she couldn't, like, kick him or like push fight. him. I mean, that or anything. describing, like, Yeah, like, I struggled, like, she, like, she was in no position to struggle, like, he was, like, behind her. 
and she had like her arms are just completely like you know she's basically it's like if she was bound up like the labor her contractions and the physicality of what her body was doing necessarily and naturally but it was sort of like binding her up where she couldn't do anything and then there were here were all the rest of us was like witnessing it and um and I yeah I mean like and I was I was scared or scared to say anything or to him or to him and so like I looked out to the nurses and they didn't know what to do either nobody knew what to do like I wonder like I think about it, like if I was encountered with that again mm-hmm. what would I do mm-hmm. and I don't know the answer exactly I know what I want to do <laughs> like I want to like yell at this person but the most that that would have done at the time, like he would have booted me from that room for sure. Like he would have had me be like, get her out of here. Like get security and get her out of here. Like this particular doctor is that aggressive in that. Um, so I would have gotten booted from that room and she would have had no one basically. Yeah. Like that's why I was there. I was there because like her partner, uh, like he, it was just not his deal. Like he didn't, wasn't interested in an unmedicated birth. And that's okay. Like, that's why your doula is out there in the world, is to take the pressure off. Um, but, yeah, like, if I if I had been more assertive then, like, I would have been gone, and she would have had no one because the nurses are not doing anything either. So I don't know. I don't know what you do in that situation, and that's hard. And like, you wonder what he would have done to the mom. Yeah. Like, what would he have, like, what would have happened, like, if there had been no witness at that point, because I felt like the witness, and like the nurses are there, but we know like they are under the power of the doctor also. Obviously terrified, all of them terrified. It's like, I have to, I have to be here. Like I have to see what's happening. Gotta be here for this woman. So it's hard sometimes you just have to witness so that you can be present. Yeah, I, I did almost stop after that one. <laughs> I was like, I don't, like I can't, see something like that again and not do something so yeah that one's burned into my brain forever for sure well yeah well on that note Mm -hmm. i think our time is up thank you so much thank you for being honest and brave about all of that yeah let's hope that things change continue to change I think they can. This has been Birth Aloud with Kristen Piscucci. If you'd like to reach me with questions or show ideas or anything else, you can email me at birthaloudradio at gmail.com. Thanks for being here with us. We'll be back every other Sunday at 1 p.m. on WLXU. We'll see you next time.